Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. All right, look here, y'all. This is going to be an awkward day of recording. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It is, um, I'm, welcome to episode 18 I'm in my office. It's hot. I had to turn the ceiling fan off because the ceiling fan is making some noise. I don't feel like getting up there and finding out what's going on. So I'm sitting here with my shirt off. Titty's just out while I'm recording. So I'm glad we're not doing video. This is all audio. And as I sat down to hit record, y'all hear that little motherfucker? That's what I'm talking about. There's a frog outside and Apparently it's he's pissed off and I tried to find him. He ran. I was chasing him. I was yelling at him because I'm trying to record. He got away. Now he's hiding and he's croaking. So throughout this episode, you're gonna hear this little son of a bitch. And uh you might hear um some gunshots, uh if I see him go by. Um so anyway, that's kind of just kind of setting the tone for uh this episode. So Hope you guys are doing well, um, man, I preach it, I practice it, I preach it. If you're not doing the things you want to do, the things that make your soul shine, if you notice that post I did, I took a picture of myself on my tractor, and I said, being at my property, working my tractor makes my soul shine, and it truly does, and you got to ask yourself, what makes your soul shine? What thing, what one thing out there makes you feel alive, makes you feel good. And it can be something as stupid as riding a tractor. I mean, that's, look, I'm not jumping out of planes. I don't have any desire to do that. I'm not rappelling out of helicopters like we did when I was in the Marine Corps and doing all this high speed shit. I'm low speed, low drag now, baby. Used to be high speed, low drag, but now it's just low speed, low drag. Watching Jeopardy excites my ass. Um, If I can make it to the final round, to like final Jeopardy, if I can stay up that late, that's an adrenaline rush for me. I'll tell you, we were in the neighborhood the other night, and we are talking to this girl, and she's 28, and I uh, was it down at my neighbor's house, and we're all just kind of standing in the street letting the kids play with the dogs and stuff, and, and she was, she came outside, and she had a little drink in her hand. She's like, I'm getting ready to go out, and I'm looking at her. I said, girl, I said, you know it's 8 o'clock? And she goes, what does that mean? I said, damn it, 8.30, you should be in the bed, and she just looked at me like, you have lost your mind, fool, and I said, mess around, you're 28. I said, give it another 11, 12 years. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's all those 40-something-year-olds out there. You know what I'm talking about. We've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I got no time for that bullshit anymore. Look, I got stories. Uh, I want to get in again. This this 
this is going to be one of those episodes. I don't really have a target. I am really, really thinking about um, interviewing more first responders. I've had a couple reach out to me. Um, I think that's what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to start doing interviews with first responders on mental health. I'm going to talk about, instead of me telling their stories, I'm going to let them tell their stories. And I'm going to interview them. And I think uh, I got the Zoom whole thing set up. I had one guy yesterday request to uh, come and talk to me about some things. uh, But anonymity has to be involved with this. So... I got to, I got to protect those people that want to come on who are still like working actively on the jobs because today with social media and the way things are, people got to be very careful, um, who they talk to and what's said out there. So keeping that in mind, if you're interested or if you're a former military, former law enforcement, EMS, um, fire, whatever, and you want to come on and you want to talk and maybe tell some stories about, um, creating your own light and how you were able to find some happiness, uh, during some dark times. I think it'd be a fun conversation, much needed conversation. Um, today I'm at Lowe's and I think society is doing away with people. Like one, we don't know how to communicate anymore because everybody just wants to text and message. Nobody wants to actually have a conversation, but two, man, you go to the grocery store, go to Lowe's, Walmart, any of there. Good luck finding an open register. So I had to I broke my tractor again this week because that's what I do every time I go out there. I do something stupid. And I was looking for some bolts. I found my bolts and I go to check out at Lowe's. And uh, lo and behold, there's only one line open. So I stood in line. There's eight people in this line. They have all the self-checkout lines, but I'm not a self-checkout dude because, one, I'm old school. I'm just, I don't know. And I'm just kind of that that old guy. Like, I'm not learning anything new, especially checking myself out. I come to give you your store money. Damn it. Y'all check me out. Make sure it's done right. Well, I get finally get to the line after like 10 minutes of waiting and I don't have my damn wallet. It's out in my car. I was like, son of a bitch. So I go back out. I have to get my wallet. I have to stand back in line and wait another like five, 10 minutes before I can check out. And you know what I was thinking about that entire time? This is what I talk about in my book about redirecting moments in life. There's a reason that happened. My whole life, if you think about it, my whole life for the rest of this day was redirected in that moment. Had I checked out, I would have went home and whatever would have happened for the rest of my life would have happened. But that moment, that reset my clock and it put me on a different path, if that makes sense. I I describe it better in my book because I have time to sit there and think about it uh, versus just put it into words. So that's what I'm thinking, saying even small inconveniences in life. A lot of times they're blessings because you're just being redirected to be somewhere else at a later date and time. I um I want to get into kids these days. I don't know why this is this this is so this is such a touchy to- topic with me. It's because man, our kids these days they are just so coddled. They're so they're just whiny little fucking brats. It seems like. And every time when I think I'm parenting my children very hard, the second I see other kids, I'm like, you know what? Good for me. I'm glad I'm parenting them hard because you are not going to be an entitled little shit. I see so much of this living in the city. I see ungrateful, just kids with no manners. Um, I'm big on manners. I'm big on the yes, sirs, no sirs. Yes, ma'am. And no, ma'am. I know a lot of people that aren't from the region that I'm from are not like that. And I'm not saying that you're wrong, but when I'm, I don't think you can go wrong using manners. I've never once heard somebody say, 
look at that motherfucker. He's just too goddamn polite. I've just never heard that, right? You just, I don't know. But I see these kids, man, they'll come over and they're just like, yeah, no. And I just, mm, it takes everything I got. Anyway, I went where my farm is, took my kids. We took our kids to look at a private school. And dude, the sec- and this is out in the farming communities, right? And the second we walk into school, all those little kids have manners. And I was thinking, man, this is where we need to be. This is, I was raised like this is kind of like what I want to expose my kids to, good manners. This little kid walks up to me and goes, hey, y'all want some chickens? I said, you got some chickens? He said, yes, sir, I got some chickens. Well, my mama's got the chickens, but I can get them for you. And I was just, man, that made my heart smile. I loved it. Just when I think I'm a tough parent, how many of you guys, I do I do jokes on tough parenting, and I do about 20 minutes of this um, up front in my, in my set. I always open up with this stuff because I love it, and I like setting the bar for kind of what the audience is to expect from me. Um, I think we've gotten away from parenting hard, and I think we've gotten away, uh, we just let these kids get away from too much. I'm going to tell a story, and this was actually requested through my Instagram. Somebody messaged me and said, hey, I'd like for you to tell the story of Billy Bad, uh, the story that you tell in your book. I'd love for you to tell that on the podcast. So I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase that story. So when I was young, I was very, very small. I wasn't uh, I wasn't always the biggest guy, but I wasn't even close. I was always the smallest person. So when I played football, I always got pummeled. And my dad was a football guy. He made he was on the um, um, he was defensive um, he he won a headhunting award. Let's just say that he was in the um, the Hall of Fame for his school back in the '60s. And so, as a guy like that, you would expect he you know he would think he would expect the same from his son. And he he coached me really hard, but I was just so little. I would get pummeled, and guys would actually seek me out on the football field to come and smoke my little ass. So what my dad did to toughen me up, he he introduced me to Billy Bad. Now. If you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't read the book, Billy Bad was probably one of the, the toughest dudes I'd ever met in my life. And I remember coming home one day and my dad and Billy Bad were standing out in the yard. And I was like, who is that standing with my father? And uh, in my book, I was like, well, I'm about to find out. So I got out of the car and my dad was home early that day. And he said, go inside and put your helmet and pads on to come out. I want to introduce you to somebody. And when I got outside, my dad introduced me to one of the hardest motherfuckers I'd ever met in my life. And his name was Billy Bad. Now, Billy Bad was the biggest, thickest, greenest military duffel bag you had ever met in your life. And what my father did is he took a bunch of his belongings and stuffed in his old military duffel bag. And... I talk about there being ironing boards and irons and bowling balls in this thing. I don't know what he had in there, but the thing was packed tight. And my dad used that duffel bag to beat my ass to a pulp. I mean, he was every bit of 200 plus back then. My father, um, I'm 230 now. Um, but back then, you got to think I was probably 70, 80, I don't know, 90 pounds tops. And my dad at 200 pounds would make me run to him and he would take this duffel bag and not just hit me with it. He would UFC me with it. He would ground and pound me and he would put everything he had in. He didn't hold back for shit. And what he was teaching me was 
no matter how hard you get hit, you can get back up. And that was at a very early age. I want to say seven, eight years old. That's when I started learning the life lesson of no matter how hard you get hit, you can get back up and you don't ever quit. And I think we are just as we're programmed these days, so many of us, the second anything is hard, it's uncomfortable, it's, there's any adversity, if it hurts, we just quit. And that goes into this whole message that I talk about with create your own light. It's like, look, life is hard. It doesn't suck all the time. I, I hate when I hear people say life sucks. Fuck you. You suck. You know, it's life doesn't suck. This is a wonderful opportunity we've given. Times suck. Things suck. Events suck. But life as a whole does not suck. For some people, maybe so. If you're tied up in a basement somewhere and you're being held hostage, yes, and if that was your whole life, or being a dog, being chained to a tree like I've seen down the road at one of these farms or outside of my farm at a house. I want to go rescue this animal so bad it's killing me. Um, but you see shit like that in the country sometimes. Poor dog just chained to a fucking tree. That sucks. Especially when I hear people in this town where I live, this in fucking entitled damn place. Life sucks. Get the fuck out of my face. Um, but what we do... As humans, we just give up when when anything gets hard because we're programmed for easy street. We're programmed for convenience and the slightest inconvenience with anything. We just quit and we give up. And I love reflecting back on those times when I was a kid, thinking about the lessons my father taught me with Billy Bad. And what it and essentially that instilled in me is it got rid of all the fear that I had in my body because when we would play other teams, naturally the big kids would seek me out and they were much, much larger than I was. But I always realized those kids will never, ever be able to hit me as hard as my grown ass father with that packed duffel bag. I don't care how big the kids were from that day on. Nobody ever hit me that hard again. And my father, although hit me very, very hard and very viciously and violently. It was from a loving place, and he, he was teaching me. And you can't do that with kids anymore. You find, Dude, I couldn't imagine taking my kid out to the park right now in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. It's as pleasant as it sounds, too. <laughs> with a fucking duffel bag with bowling balls in it and slamming it into my little seven-year-old daughter and then ground and pound her while she's on the ground and the cops drive by. Like, nah, we're just, we just learning some lessons over here, sir. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. We've gotten too far away from good and hard parenting. I don't I don't condone beating your kids. That's not what I'm saying. But I do condone teaching them some tough-ass lessons at a very early age. Because you can tell the kids. You can tell kids that are very strongly parented, man. You can tell ones that let the, let the kids walk all over them, too. And... I've seen it both ways. I've seen the, I've seen the parents that they, they like to pretend when they're around you that they're tough parents, but then you know, you actually know they're full of shit because you see what the kids really do and how they get away with stuff. And it's like, eh, you're just tough when, when people are around. You're not really that tough. And your kid's going to turn out to be an asshole probably. Just FYI. I'm so afraid that society is watering our men down. It's not that... It's some illegitimate fear that I have. It's actually happening. You can see it. It's everywhere we go. You turn on the TV, there's no more Mr. T. There's no more Mr. Clean. There's no more He-Man. There's no more fucking brawny paper towels of the guy with a beard. Show me that dude. He ain't around. They, they're, they're, they're watering down men. And I actually feel sorry for women because you ladies out there, 
Good luck finding a real man these days. Or if you're in the hunt for a real man in about 10 years, hang it up. Hang it up. I tell an inappropriate joke on stage that I'm not going to tell here because this is obviously a very appropriate podcast. uh, So I can't tell it here. Um, I don't. I don't like it. I don't like the soft men that we're producing these days. I think men have a very distinct role in dilute and diluting that and watering it down is going to be detrimental. And I feel like it's going to be our downfall as a society and civilization. And maybe not. I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong because wars are going to be fought behind keyboards. And so you're going to need a bunch of soft handed motherfuckers to be able to type on them. Type on those uh, keyboards because, you know, you don't want to do like me with callous hands hitting fucking keyboard because it could break. And then if I break the keyboard, then we can't fight the, the future wars of America. So, man, shit, maybe they got it figured out. Maybe they, they, you know, getting rid of cavemen like me is the thing. And um, soft ass dudes is the future. So having said that, our, uh, I'm going to just spin it in a different direction. Are you a leader or are you a follower? Now, I'm not saying it's bad to be either. But the world can't be full of leaders because if everybody was a leader, they'd have nobody to follow. But if you're going to be a follower, you know, I can't, I don't know. I can't, I can't even speak about being a follower. I don't know. Cause I've never had the follower mindset. I've always believed in leading by example. I've always believed in stepping up to the plate when you have the opportunity to, uh, to do things, to take charge do it. I'm not afraid to make decisions. I'm not afraid to do it decisively. Um, and I think a lot of folks have, uh, have been comfortable just kind of letting other people make decisions for them. Um, so I would encourage you if, if you are a follower, not so much as a leader, try, try leading sometime and you just might like it. Like step up in an uncomfortable situation and lead and take charge and take the reins. Maybe you don't have the confidence. I don't know. I don't know why people, uh, we're all wired differently. So I don't know why people are okay with somebody else just taking the reins and taking charge. I can't, I can't see it that way because I'm not that way. And I'm not, like I say, I'm not putting that down. Um, but there's some shitty leaders out there too. So don't get me wrong. And maybe I'm one of them. Maybe I'm a shitty leader um, or have been a shitty leader in the past. I don't know. Um, but I've always just taken the reins when it was my opportunity and uh, just just went with it. My personal, personal opinion is I love when somebody can take charge and they take all the ridicule that comes with it and they don't they don't project it on anybody else. I think that's a very strong character trait of a very good leader is if shit breaks bad, that's your, that's your responsibility. You don't start pointing fingers outwards. It just, it's all inwards. And I've had leaders from, you know, on both sides of that. I've, I've known leaders that, Hey, they'll step up, take charge, take the blame, no matter the cost. And then there's other ones that are like, Hey, I'm here to lead, um, during business hours. And if anything goes wrong, it's because of you motherfuckers. So, um, I don't know what made me think it, think of this topic, but I just think it's important. I think if you're in a position that you've never led, try, Hey, put yourself in a position to lead something sometime. And I think you would, it may motivate you. Um, yet you don't just go out and say, Hey, I'm the leader. Everybody follow me, but just do leader, leader type shit. Don't sit back 
and wait for other people to make decisions. Dude, you can honestly, you can be a leader making a fucking decision about dinner. How many of you guys have ever been in a um, a situation where you want to go like a like couples out there? You ever sat around for half an hour to an hour because you want the other person to decide where you're going to go out for dinner? Be a leader. Go to Applebee's. There, I said it. Applebee's paid me for this plug. You got it. Steak and shrimp, baby. I think a lot of people have a hard time making decisions because of the fear of the unknown, right? There's there's comfort in just staying in the same place. And when you when you're in a leadership position, things change, things evolve, and you gotta be ready at a moment's notice to change your entire situation and somebody else's situation. Where other people they don't want to be that uncomfortable. They don't want to put themselves in that situation where they have to make those calls. And I, and I understand that. Um, but I think we have to step up and be leaders in our own life because what happens is that same exact scenario. If you don't lead your own life, if you just live a comfortable life where, you know what, I don't know all of the answers and I'm not going to go out and search for new answers because what if it doesn't work out? Well, the what ifs keep you right in the same fucking spot you are. And from a mental health standpoint, those what ifs and those fear of the unknown is what keeps a lot of us sick and keeps a lot of us beat down because we just want to stay in the same comfortable bubble that we're in. Um, so I would just, I would highly encourage you to do something that scares you, not go jump off of a building or anything. But do something different in your life. Get out of that rat, the rat wheel or the rat race, whatever the whatever it is that that same cycle that you're in, and break it up. Look, I'm guilty of it too. I get sucked into it all the time. I'll end up doing the same things over and over and over. But the moment that I recognize it, it's like, oh wait, damn, I'm doing the same shit. I need to get away from this and go do something different. Be a leader in your own life. Step up to the plate. And help yourself by doing something different. I remember this when I was in the Marine Corps. We were out, we were out at some facility doing some doing some specialized training, and it was. Uh, I don't remember. I remember where it was. I can picture it in my mind, but I can't. I don't remember the name of the area on base. But anyway, uh, that's not important. What is important is I remember sitting in the classroom before we went out to do these practical applications of this stuff. And there was a sign there that said, let's go get scared. And that always stuck with me because what, what they were encouraging you to do is go do something outside of your comfort zone. Go get scared. There's nothing wrong with being scared. There's nothing wrong with fear. The problem we have with fear is when we let it control us. And I've spoken about this on, on several episodes, I believe, um, I'm, I get scared all the time. Fear is natural. Fear is normal. I mean, if you don't have fear and you don't have, um, if you're not scared of anything, you're just not human. Um, even the toughest animals out there, lions, they get scared too. I mean, the problem is they don't let that shit control them. And that's the difference. So ask yourself this, what is something that you really like to go do? but you keep making every excuse under the sun not to go do it. And I guarantee you fear is controlling you. It's fear of the unknown. That's not money. It's not all this. Cause look, there's plenty of money out there. You can just go make it. I mean, I know it sounds more simple than anything, 
by saying that, but I've been dead fucking broke negative before. And I was able to go out and hustle and hustle hard and work hard and put all my excuses and bullshit to the side and come, come, come away from that situation winning. So I know you can too. Um, not just me out of, it's just not, it's not me. I mean, there's, there's tons of people that do it every day. So it's, it's excuses. So let's go conquer some fear. I love to hear stories of people that conquer their fear. Challenge yourself this week. There's something uncomfortable out there for each and every one of us. What is it for you? Think about it. Doesn't have to be anything crazy, but it can be something that scares you. What's stopping you from doing it? Go do it. Go control your fear. And shoot me a message and let me know what it was. Because I, I think that'd be cool to read some of those stories. Um, I'd love to hear about you guys out there kicking ass. We're all we're all put here for a reason. I, I, I firmly believe that. And I think many of us just never figure out what that reason is. And I think the reason we, fi- we don't figure it out is because we get caught in that same cycle. We get caught in the cycle of life where we just do the same thing day in, day out. And we don't open our minds. We don't recognize opportunities when they come our way. And when bad things happen, we let it control us. And we what if it to death. Like, in, And I'll speak from my situation. I was just recently put in a situation, I'm going to tell you a story, where I think my entire life led me to this one human being. Everything that I've ever done in my entire life led me to this. And my father witnessed this the other day. Led me to a conversation with a man. Had anything have been different in my entire life, think about it. I would not have, I would not have met this man. I would have not been put on a path to meet this man where some life changing shit I believe took place. And here's what happened. Had I have let all the incidents that happened to me with all my trauma and all that, if I would have just let it beat me down and I would have never got up and tried, if I would have just stayed here at my house, started doing all the, the pills that they wanted to put me on. I refused all of that. Never opening up about my story. I don't know where I'd be. I know I wouldn't be in a productive place and I know I wouldn't be helping other people with their trauma exposure. Here's what I'm getting at. Last week, my father came to visit me at the farm. Just he and I. He comes up. He comes up every once in a while. And the week prior, I met. I was out riding the Polaris with my family, and we bumped into another couple that was on a Polaris. And I was like, "Hey, haven't really seen y'all around here because there's not much around there." And they said, "Oh, we're from. I don't. I won't tell you what town, but we're from such and such town." And And I was like, "Isn't that like ten miles up the road?" He said, yeah. And he goes, I said, well, how'd you get here? Did you take the main highway? And he says, no, ma'am. He said, there's a, um, there's a couple of dirt roads. And he told me about these dirt roads. <clears throat> and I was like, man, I want to go explore those one day. Now, had I went that day and explored those dirt roads, I would have never met this next gentleman that I'm going to, that I'm going to tell you about. Whew, gives me chills. Check this shit out. I waited, I waited a couple more days because I had some work to do at my farm. And so my dad came up. And when my dad came up, I said, you know what, Dad? Let's take a ride. I said, let's hop on the Polaris and let's just go ride around and explore today. I said, fuck all this work because, you know, we come out there. We always work and that's how we bond. So we didn't work this day. We just took off on the Polaris and we were riding. We took, I remember we took a bunch of oranges with us and we were eating oranges, drinking water, talking shit. We had the dog with us and uh, we stopped at his graveyard. We looked at some, some headstones and all this. Now, mind you, everything we're doing, I took a wrong turn. 
Um, I had to pull out my maps because I had no idea where we were. And uh, on the maps, I started driving the wrong way. And then I saw the little indicator. I was like, oh, shit, I'm going the wrong way. So I had to turn around again. Now think about that. Had I have went the right way, even just that simple little thing, had we not stopped and looked at a couple of headstones, I would not have ran into this next gentleman that I'm about to tell you about. Sorry to set it up like this. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but these things are important in this thing that we call life and the journey that we're on in life. Every fucking turn matters. Every conversation that you have with somebody matters. Every minute you spend with somebody, every second you spend with somebody matters. Good, bad, or indifferent, it matters because it is directing you somewhere else in life. And I don't know if, if you're heading into a positive direction or a bad direction, but I'm telling you, the shit is crazy. So my dad and I, we ended up finding the little town. And I was leaving town. And I go, you know what? Let's go down this road right here. And he said, what for? I said, I don't know. I've just never been down it. And so we drive down this road. And at the end of the road, there's a couple buildings. And I look to the right. And there's a, there's a police officer sitting there in this little town. He was just hiding out behind some buildings. Wasn't hiding out, but it was just, he was kind of out of the way. So I pull up, I pull up over there to introduce myself. And the cop, uh, honestly, he's, he's, he's apprehensive to talk to me because, well, well, everything that's going on in the world, you don't know who's rolling up on you these days. And um, I, I step off and I'm like, you know, I'm former law enforcement. And he, then he was at ease. So he got out of his car. We started talking. I never once told him who I was, like what I really did for a living and all that. And in in the conversation, he starts telling me about his son who used to be a deputy sheriff. Okay. And then he tells me, you know, I, I he was telling me about this line of work that we're in. And, he, you know, he goes how, how bad it is. And he knew I was a foreign police officer, but he never knew that I do mental health stuff. He didn't know I was, I do comedy. I didn't do all that shit. I never, I didn't tell him about any of that. I didn't tell him about my book, nothing. So he tells me, he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, you know how it is out there. He goes, my son is no longer a deputy sheriff, but he had to get some, a lot of help. He goes, I've had to talk him out of suicide two different times where I actually caught him in a room with a gun in his mouth. And it right then I said, wow. I was like, he just, he was ready to check out. He said, yeah, he goes, the last one of the last calls he went on, he went to a, uh, a call of a raped baby that died while he was, um, it bled out in front of my son and my son had to deal with that call. And this was an, an infant. I'm going to say that he said the baby was six months old and somebody raped it and killed it. And, uh, or it, it was bleeding out when he arrived and his son was trying CPR, doing everything he could. And, uh, the baby bled out. And has fucked his son up so bad like he doesn't want to live anymore. And here's here's what I'm getting at. That was the time where I felt like he was telling me about his son with alcohol and all this stuff that he's going through. I stopped in the conversation and I said, let me tell you a little bit about what I do for a living. And I said, I don't know if this can help. I don't know. I said, but I wrote a book on uh, mental health and overcoming the challenges that that we face put through, you know, post-traumatic purpose. And, and his, his eyes lit up. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, I work with military and law enforcement and, uh, fire firefighters everywhere. And I actually have a course on this stuff on mental health stuff. And I actually do keynote presentations on overcoming this stuff. And he said, can I get your name? 
And so I gave him my name and I said, look, I said, I don't have a book on me or anything like that right now. I said, but you can find it, you know, online. I said, I can come back here. I'll go next time I go to Charleston. I'm, I can, I can grab a couple and I'll bring one up here for you. And I'm going to do that. Um, I just haven't been back to, to that little area. Yet. And there was a moment that we had shared there. And I know that man went home that night and, uh, without getting too in depth, but I know that he looked it up. And I'm not saying it's going to help his son. I'm not saying that that's that I'm his son's saving grace because I don't pretend to be that guy. But I think all these roads that I've been down, I think, led me to this man. And it led me to hopefully, because he was telling me his son can't find any answers. And I'm not saying I have them. But I promise you this. I've seen the feedback that I get from this podcast. I've seen the feedback from the book about what we go through, what we see, how it affects us, how we feel, how we can't feel like, how we feel like we can't relate to anybody, how we feel so isolated. Um, I talk about the nightmares. I talk about the alcohol abuse. Um, I talk about all of that stuff. And I get a lot of positive feedback from guys and girls who have experienced the same thing. And they say how helpful it was. So I'm just saying I don't know if that that man's son is going to come around because of our interaction. But I like to think that everywhere I'd, I'd been in life directed me to that moment. And hopefully that can keep a gun out of his mouth by hearing somebody else's story. And that's why I talk so openly about this stuff. That's why this I am so passionate about what I do. We want to talk about conquering fear. I can't tell you how scary this shit was for me in the beginning. It still is. I can't tell you how um, putting yourself out there, putting your your business in the street with so many people that you don't personally know. It's nerve-wracking. I mean, it's... um. I think we as human beings, we always say, you know, what will people think? Um, all this. We, we all naturally have that um, fear of, well, what will people say? And, you know, I... I gave up a long, a while back, a long time ago when it comes to giving a fuck about what people think. And that's honestly was the best decision and the most healthy thing I've ever done in my life. It was just quit giving a fuck about anybody's thoughts or opinions. And it goes back to an old saying that I love. Lions don't concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. And I'm not calling other people sheep. I'm not calling you sheep. What I'm saying is I had to do instill that lion, that lion-esque mindset and say, you know what? I'm going to do lion shit regardless of what people think about me, of what people think about my message, about what people think about my healing. I'm going to be a fucking lion no matter what because that's who I am. And I'm just going to keep doing lying shit. And I encourage you to go out and instill your inner lion and do lying shit. Go help some people. Do some uncomfortable stuff. And forget what people are going to say. Because people are going to think what they're going to think regardless. If they don't like you, they don't want to like you, who cares? You can't, you can't convince them otherwise. And why waste a minute trying? And it took, it took a little while for me to really recognize 
what my true purpose in life was because I, I was always trying to force my purpose. I thought my purpose was, you know, being a fireman. And then when I, when I left that, I thought my purpose was being a comedian. And then I, I fought so hard to define that purpose that I spent years not really noticing what my real purpose was and my real purpose. And I think purposes change too. Our purpose changes as we evolve as humans right now, my purpose is doing what I do. And that could, that too could change. But like I say, all these roads led me to right here. And there's a reason why today at 35 minutes and 10 seconds in recording this podcast that I'm sitting here at my desk and I'm not at my farm today. Lord knows I want to be at my farm, but I got to get in here, drop another episode. And it, it works better when I don't sit here and try to force it. I just kind of jot a couple notes down and go with it. But I really, I'm really interested in the, um, doing the angle with you, you guys, first responders, military, even if you're not first responder or military, if you have a traumatic exposure to anything and you want to talk about it with me, you give me 35, 45 minutes of your time where we can talk about this and talk about your triumphs and celebrate your triumphs. I think that's going to be big and I think it's going to be huge. And I think it's going to open up um, some doors for some other people to find comfort in sharing what they may have been through. And that's how we keep paying it forward. So let's do that. I, I highly encourage you to reach out and um, we'll do it via zoom. We can, um, we can do some, you know, zoom calls and I'll take the video out of it. If you want to, I'm not doing video anyway, but if you want to, you want to remain anonymous, I don't have to use your name. I don't have to do any of that. You just, we can tell your story. I'll extract the audio. And, uh, I think it'd be very, very powerful, powerful. Damn. I can't talk today. Um, I'm glad the frog quit. I guess he, I guess he, he got a little intimidated when he thought about me breaking out that tactical shotgun. That would that be a little bit of overkill. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I couldn't, I can't hurt no animals, man. I just can't do it anymore. All right. Hey, I love y'all. Thank y'all for supporting what I do. Um, please tell other people about this podcast. It's doing very, very well, but it can get better. It can always be better because, you know, there's people out there that I think can relate to some of this stuff we talk, talk about. I don't, I think, I think there's a lot of people that don't relate to it, but I'm not trying to reach them. I'm just trying to reach the ones that do. And I think collectively we can, we can uh, create our little community here and do, do some good while we're here on this earth. So thanks again for your time. Um, I hope y'all kick ass this week and don't forget, go do something that scares you, but be safe doing it. And, uh, tell me about your victory. Can't wait to hear it. I love y'all.